1: fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me again this week and how good is it that the Bulls are finally back. We had media day last week, training camp has kicked off, which means preseason basketball is only a few days away for our Chicago Bulls and in a weird way I'd say the narrative around the last week or so has been largely positive, which is a little different to all the drama we've been used to around Past media days, past training camps and the like, but I want to get into all the goings on over the last week, but I also want to preview some of the upcoming preseason games that we have in front of us this week. So let's do that by welcoming my guest this week. Making his Bulls HQ debut is a man who had offers from contending podcasts, but ultimately chose Bulls HQ because he felt this show needed him. He's the executive producer of the Lawrence Holmes show on 670 The Score and the host of the Known Zones podcast. He's Tony Gill and he joins me now. Tony, thanks for coming on the show, mate.
0: No problem. Mark, time, man. Appreciate you uh, having me on.
1: Your first time on Bulls HQ, so glad you've been able to join me today. My fault for not having you on earlier, but I'm glad I've been able to get your voice on the show now. Thanks for jumping on, but... How has your off season been? I'm tipping you're pretty happy basketball is back, but uh, what have you been up to? How have you been going with your off season?
0: Um, no, I've been uh, been trying to you know stay up on the on the Bulls beat. Um, it's <laughs> you know it's uh, you know during the off season it gets a little bit more difficult to you know come up with content or whatever. But no, the off season's been great. You know, just working on the the next season of uh, No Zones. Um, which is my podcast through uh, radio.com. And um, yeah, just just enjoying every day of it.
1: Perfect, mate. That's good to hear. But uh, I'm glad to say Bulls basketball is back and you were there on media day. You've been there throughout the process here over the last few weeks. You'll be there covering the Bulls, obviously, throughout the season. But I wanted to get you on to get your thoughts about media day. So maybe we can kick off there. You were there in the scrums doing all the work. But was that your first time you had covered the Bulls live from media day? Um, No, I went, my first media day was last season.
0: Um, That was like my first kind of official day on the beat, uh, which is funny because uh, my former director, um, he was getting prepared to uh, leave to go to another job. And his final kind of thing that he did before he left was, you know, credential me for the season um, to uh, cover the Bulls last season. And, our our boss didn't know about it so you know i pull up to media day last year and he sees me he's like what are you doing here i'm like i'm here to cover the (laughs) bulls sir (laughs) and uh he was he was taken aback by it because he didn't know you know that i you know wanted to do this so um but you know once he you know see you know saw what you know i was able to do and the content that was you know was able to create out of it and you know the benefit of me being there he you know left me alone and you know now again get my podcast and we're on to the next season
1: yeah perfect I mean look I subscribe to no zones and I'm tipping if anyone listening to Bulls HQ that they're probably doing the same but if they're not they probably should correct that but um yeah it's been good to have you as a, an addition to the whole Bulls I guess, podcasting scene. There's, there's quite a few podcasts out there at the moment, but you're a been, you are have been a welcome addition. But I wanted to get you on because, one, because you've never been on and I wanted a different voice on the show, but two, you, like I said, you were there at Media Day. I'm across the other side of the world. So I get a perspective, but obviously you have a, percep- a perspective for being live and direct from there. So maybe we can just kick off with that. We'll talk about preseason games a little later on the show, but I wanted to talk about Media Day training camp because I haven't had a chance to do that since it ran around so uh, i guess uh, f- from the top uh, the first question i wanted to ask you what was the most pertinent or the most telling point to you that you walked away from media day with based on all the conversations that you had or or just all the general press conferences the team gave
0: um probably the biggest thing that came out of media day was they were talking playoffs mm. um and i mean it started from you know jim boylan and packs and giant uh gar packs and same you know, John Paxson and Garth and they came out um, and Jim made that statement from the, from their very first statement before questions were asked. They were looking to make the playoffs this year. And, I mean, that's fine. You know, I I, I tend to believe that they aren't going to be a playoff team next year. Um, but since that's what they're looking at, that's the standard that I'm going to hold them at and that I'm going to keep them at. And I, and I think, you know, the other... You know, beat reporters. There, they're going to keep them to that standard as well. When things aren't, you know, going well this season in certain areas of the season, we're going to bring that up. Hey, you put this on yourself. You put this expectation on yourself in this team uh, to be playoff ready. And if it doesn't look like that, we're gonna we're gonna call you out on it. Um, and then for, after they were done, the players they came out and said, "Hey, we're looking at playoffs as well." So um, this is they're unified on that. So. In terms of the biggest thing thing that came out of uh, Media Day, that was number one, that everybody there, John, Gar, Jim, the players, they're looking to make a playoff push this season.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because Paxton started by suggesting that the team, if they play to their capabilities, that they will be a, a playoff caliber team which wasn't directly going with playoffs, but then all of a sudden Jim Boylan came over the top of that and pretty much said that they are going for the playoffs. So that became the theme of the day. And I I think you're correct. That was the most pertinent or most telling thing from media day. It was pretty, there wasn't much drama like we've been used to over the past few years, which was probably a good thing, but that was the biggest talking point, I guess, that we had walking away from, from media day, from the players, from management, obviously from Jim Boylan. But I'm wondering if that was the the right approach to go so strongly with the playoffs being the goal of the season and I I know most would have been happy that I guess that that was said to be the goal given that it is quantifiable given that it's an accountable goal that people can hold over management as you as you sort of just sort of stated there and I guess Scar packs have routinely gotten away with not placing expectations on the team so I get why people were pleased by this from that perspective but to me, at least, it kind of feels like we're jumping a few steps here, or at least one step. I I, I kind of just wanted to hear maybe that we just wanted to see the collective and individuals grow as uh, as the season progressed. Because I think we forget that Larry, Zach, Wendell, and even Otto haven't even played a minute together yet. So it kind of feels like we're jumping in the gun a little bit here. But am I, am I being too cautious here, or was the right approach to put it on record that playoffs is the goal?
0: No, um, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, I feel like it is kind of skipping a step. I mean, he hasn't even Jim Boylan hasn't coached a full season yet. Um, yeah. He's already, you know, saying. I mean, just almost like less than a year. You know, yes, less than a year ago, they were talking mutiny. You know, <laughs> under his watch. <laughs> like, I mean, from going from that to, oh, uh, we're ready for a playoff push is 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 kind of weird. Um, But I do get it. You know, guys, they want to play for something. Um, I assume the pitch was to, you know, Thad Young, along with, you know, the three-year guaranteed money that he got was, you know, he's he's a win-now player. Thad Young is a win-now player. He has 12 years, going on his 13th, you know, in the league. He's not here just for, you know— just to babysit, you know, he's, he's here to do some significant winning. So I assume that was the pitch to him when they went after him in, in free agency. Um, And also again, to your point, the two, the, the, the core of this team that you, that they say they are, you know, looking to grow, they haven't played a lot with each other. And that's mainly because of the biggest issue with this group is health. Um, Wendell Carter has a tailbone injury after today's practice. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he was like one of maybe three. I think Chandler didn't practice today. Luke Cornett didn't practice today. Um, there's a lot of Shaq Harrison didn't practice today. Um, so these they have to get healthy first and prove that they can stay healthy before they, you know, have these, you know, playoff aspirations. Um, but I will say this, and I've been saying this, and I'm going to say this throughout the year, um, no matter whose podcast I'm on or on my own podcast, that, you know, the first half of the season is relatively easy you know, for mm, the Bulls, yep. and also they have the most rest um, scheduling-wise among all the teams in the league, so that is a plus for them. Um, So they may look better than what they actually are, you know, at times, but again, if they're going to have these playoff aspirations, okay, you say that, the players believe that, now the media and the public are going to hold you to that, and it's going to be It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because we've seen them kind of, at least John, we've seen him kind of, you know, kind of wiggle his way out of certain things and saying, well, well, I didn't say that. You know, we've seen him do that um, on occasion, but it's going to be very, very interesting how, you know, if they can prove it on the court.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I, the reason why I'm being cautious about it is this, this team has a thin margin of error and it really just takes one injury to Zach Levine or maybe Otto Porter or even Wendell Carter. I think those three are probably the most important players on this team right now, given the the scarcity of those positions on the roster right now. So it just takes an injury for one of those guys being out, you know, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, something like that. And then things can get derailed pretty quickly. And, and like, he, like so you said, this team hasn't really been together that long. And we haven't seen Jim Boylan coach a full season. So I'm just being a little bit cautious. I understand that you know they, they need to have some aspirations. They need to have a goal. And I understand the players obviously want to get to the playoffs. So I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing that they have this goal. But I also don't want this season to be looked at as a failure in the event that they win 36 games, 37 games. The team takes a step, but ultimately doesn't make the playoffs. And the narrative around that becomes you didn't make your goal. And then and, and there's a negativity around it. Because I don't think it should be viewed as a negative. But I understand why it may be cast as that based on what has been said from from management. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But beyond the playoff talk, I think the most illuminating thing that, for me at least, was the the, the approach and, and mindset that guys like uh, Tomas Sadaransky and Thad Young showcase. Through their words, they were the best two on the podium, in my opinion, as they clearly showed their worth as le- as leaders. Particularly Thad, um, I know most fans are probably excited about the younger younger players, and, and rightfully so. But how do you think someone, how critical someone like Thad Young is going to be this uh, to this rebuild? And I mean, to me, it, it seems like he's going to be damn damn important. He's going to earn that cash off the court. But uh, what were your thoughts about what or the way Thad Young sort of presented himself on media day?
0: I was very impressed with that young, but I mean he has a resume to kind of back up, you know Everything that you know, he says he is and what he can bring to this team. I mean in terms of health He's the you know pillar of stability Um, Starting you know one of the only players in the league last year to start the majority of his games Um, I mean over the last couple seasons. I mean he's there and he plays really hard Um, And that's something that that I've admired about him throughout his career is that, you know, you can tell that he practices really hard, which is something that, you know, Jim Boylan um, holds in high regard. But you can tell on the court that, I mean, he's going 100 percent, 100 percent effort uh, every night. And that's something that Jim wants, you know, his team to kind of be around that that type of. Um, go hard hundred percent of the time. That's the culture that Jim is trying to have on this, you know, young roster where last year they didn't really, you know, have any identity. Um guys were, you know, constantly up and down either due to health or just inconsistent play. Um and that's something that Jim is trying to, you know, squash, you know, as soon as possible. And it started with, you know, their first day acquisitions of, you know, Thad Young. They Jim wanted him. Um Jim, in his uh, opening statement, um, chose to, you know, point out and thank Gar and, and Pax for going after the specific players that he wanted, and they got him. Um, to their credit, they got Thomas Sadiransky. They got uh, Thad Young, and Thad Young is going to be a leader for this team. Um, probably they haven't had a leader of this, you know, caliber since Joakim Noah, and no disrespect to Robin Lopez, who they had last year, but Robin wasn't the player that, you know, Thad was. He can be a leader off the court, but, you know, on the court, Robin was, you know, he wasn't that great. Um, so it it, it might have been a little bit harder for those guys to kind of listen to what Robin had to say. That will be not an issue with listening to that Young. He's got the resume. He's got, you know, the time put in. I mean, this is going to be his 13th season. Uh, I think the next person is, what, Zach with six? you know or or no Otto porter jr with uh his seventh season so yeah. i mean these guys are going to have to listen to him because he can back it up and because he he does what he says in the practice in the film room so i I was very very impressed with what, what that had to say um and i think he's going to be a very very key piece for uh this young core yeah i mean
1: he, he's he's barely, he hasn't even played a game yet but it's it's pretty clear that he is the unequivocal leader off the court or well, on the court as well, but he's the leader of that locker room and he's he's taken that mantle straight away and it seems like everyone's okay with that. I mean, that was the impression that I got, but one of the interesting things that he sort of gave up as well during media day, I, I guess was his reasoning for choosing Chicago and he sort of hinted at the fact that there were some offers from some contending teams out there, but uh, he ultimately chose to sign with Chicago. Maybe I'm being a little bit cynical here, but I interpreted that as maybe contenders weren't willing to pay that a little bit too or as much money as maybe what the bulls were and that's why ultimately why he chose the bulls but am i being too cynical here or or for someone like that young was the the appeal of coming to a a young improving team and being that culture leader probably did he maybe value that more than being on a contender if a contender offered him a third guaranteed year he wouldn't be a chicago bull (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's that's, the, that's what i had in mind when he said that but i i'm typically cynical but i wasn't I wasn't sure if i was being that way more generally or if that's if, if other people got that uh that feeling yeah too. no
0: no i mean i mean it it all it, a lot of the majority of this is is the money i mean obviously um getting that third guaranteed deal uh that third guaranteed year um was probably well see, i don't think I mean, that it's, third
1: year is guaranteed in chicago right
0: right yeah it's i mean he gets to, you know, be a key piece on a growing team in a big city, um, put on that, you know, Bulls uniform, wear that Bulls across the chest, like Jim Boylan <laughs> likes to say. Um, and he gets to make probably more money than, you know, he was offered, you know, through through the rest yeah. of the league. I mean, I, he's a, a valuable player in this league, and a contender, a serious contender would be way better – For having him, you know, on their roster, but um, his decision was 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 clear. You you said he he said it in uh, the press uh, in the media day, excuse me, um, on on why he wanted to be here. I mean, he saw this young group. He he said that they were growing. He liked what Jim Boylan uh, was was starting here, um, and he liked their pitch. So there you go. He's a Chicago Bull.
1: Yeah, look, I just want to make it clear. I definitely think he wants to be here in Chicago, but uh, I, I have a tendency to be a little bit cynical sometimes. But uh, we'll, yeah, I'm glad that he's obviously in Chicago. It's a great signing, but continuing on that cynical theme, I think the other key takeaway for me was... The effusive praise from everyone about Chris Dunn, which is something I probably wasn't expecting at all from anyone, I guess. But John Paxson was really hyping up Chris Dunn, which is kind of ironic given that Paxson went out of his way to, I guess, maybe not make Dunn the scapegoat, but he went out of his way to really hammer Dunn during his end-of-season press conference a few months back. So to go from there to now praising him for his work, I, I kind of found it a little bit odd. And again, being cynical, I was wondering... If there's how much of that is true versus how much he's simply trying to pump up the the, the trade value surrounding Chris Dunn? But what did you make of uh, John Paxson's com- uh, his comments around Chris Dunn and, and the fact that he had such a good September and you know everyone's behind him at this point?
0: Um, a couple things. Uh, when I asked the uh, the point guard depth question to Jim, um, to just kind of go into you know how he plans to go about. I mean, if every, if everything stays the same, they will have like four or five point guards on the roster. So how would he be able to, you know, go with that? I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into this point guard position competition. Um, got to get Kobe White minutes. Got to, you know, get Thomas Sadorinsky minutes because you paid him. Um, if Chris Dunn is on the roster, he was your starter last year. You got to get him minutes. Um, and then just from the top row. John Paxson comes, you know, out of nowhere and and makes it a point to mention how hard that Chris Dunn has worked. And he has. Um, I have no doubt that Chris Dunn has has taken that challenge of, okay, they drafted a point guard in the first round. They traded uh, for a point guard in Thomas Satterenski and paid him um, to be on this team. Uh, They re-signed Archie, who basically at certain points of the season last year was playing on par at and at, at even times better than me um, during the season last year. They kept uh, Shaq Harrison, who was excellent defensively last year. Something that Chris Dunn harps on, um, you know. So there was a there's a lot of competition at his position, and over the summer he took that to heart. Um, he he didn't speak to the media in terms of at the you know the table where everybody else was, but he had a side session, and you know he was asked you know about hey are you ready to you know, be coming off the bench. And he's like, I'm ready for wherever, you know, coach puts him. Um, He's willing to accept the competition and and, and fight for for his spot, which is commendable. But I also think that, you know, I I don't think he's going to be here long-term as well. So uh, from John's point, it was probably important for him to say, you know, these good things about Chris Dunn to kind of boost his value a little bit. (laughs) You know, if you remember last year, Um, the Bulls made it public. They they let it slip out or or leak out. You know, they weren't happy with Chris Dunn's work ethic last offseason. And that definitely diminished his trade value. I mean, downing an asset uh, is not good if you want to move that player. So uh, I think that was a little bit as well, trying to boost his trade value. But I actually, you know, do believe that Chris Dunn is, is willing to accept this challenge, at least in the short term until, you know, he gets moved, uh, potentially this year.
1: Well, I, I, I guess we'll find out. Maybe not just with Chris Dunn, but maybe the rest of the roster too. How, how how willing they are to, to buy into this whole thing based on how rotation shake out, how many minutes certain guys are getting, because there's a couple players on this roster who are obviously coming into a contract year, Chris Dunn being one of them. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I wanted to talk about the coach now, because as always, he typically has some, some interesting things to say. And Tony, this is your first time on the show, so you may not be aware, but this isn't necessarily a pro Jim Boylan podcast. Not that um, many Bulls podcasts out there probably are. But how is it for someone like you being in those media scrums, listening to Jim Boylan just rattle off his typical Boylanisms? And I, I say that because. I'm on the other side of the world. I typically hear it through a, a medium like like Twitter, whether it's a quote, whether it's a video or something like that. But I'm just wondering if being there in the presence of the man, if it's a, di- a different experience hearing hearing him going off on a, a, a you know a minute long soliloquy to to Gar Pax, thanking them for all their efforts, or you know whatever else he may say. What's it like being there in attendance with Jim Boylan when he's putting on his show? Um, first of all, I I like Jim Jim personally. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah.
0: a like after all the you know the boilingisms, and I mean he's genuine about it, and he really believes you know everything that he says, which is commendable. Um, he he he, he wants to put into play what he says: the hard work, the grit, the toughness, the the pride, in wearing the bulls across the chest. He absolutely believes that, and John Paxson absolutely loves that. Um, he's a old school minded coach um John is an old school minded gm i mean you can tell because he replaced kind of the newer age coach in Fred Hoiberg with jim um his assistant so i mean Jim is a you know a genuine guy um but again, I don't know if he can coach at this level be a head coach at this level um he he'll write off his resume um as an assistant. Uh, with San Antonio and with uh, the Rockets. So, I mean, he's been around the league, but again, I don't know if if he can head coach. Um, There's more to um, being a head coach than, you know, inspiring and getting your players, you know, riled up and ready for war. Like, there's more to that. They have to trust your ability to put them in the best positions possible uh, to win games and trust you with the health of their bodies as well. Um, again, I mentioned he's an old school style coach, meaning, I mean, he practices really, really hard and, you know, he wants his guys to play, you know, a a lot of games like don't expect, you know, Kyle, I mean, uh, Zach Levine or, you know, uh, Laurie to get, you know, a lot of rest, you know, in terms of, uh, um, DMP coaches decisions for, you know, for rest or anything like that, he's going to play his guys. Um, but again, I, I don't know. I don't know. He hasn't proven to me X and O's-wise that he can do this job just yet. So I'm very interested to see how he does it because, to be honest, the the front office has given him the correct pieces to succeed in the short term. Um, And that means, again, if if that means making a playoff to some, okay. But for me, that means just having – a better reputation around the league. You can't be voted, you know, coaches in in the players, you know, voting. You can't be that guy that says players don't want to, you know, come here and play for you. Like that can't happen again this year. Um, they gave him the pieces to succeed in the short term. Um, I'm, I'm I'm willing to hold out hope that he can still get this done um, and make it look competent, you know, respectable. I mean, the All-Star game is coming to Chicago, so all eyes are going to be on, on the Bulls this year. And that's a lot of pressure for a you know first full-time you know, head coach. So I'm willing to hold out to wait and see if he can do the job because I don't know right now.
1: Yeah, I mean that's fair. And you mentioned the player survey there. One, one another coach that ranked poorly on that was Tom Thibodeau, who <laughs> Boylan reminds me of maybe a more personable version of Thibodeau, maybe without the X and O's background. <laughs> but um, it, I I get that impression at least. But who knows? We'll see what happens with Jim Boylan. I'm I'm, I'm not a fan, but I'm I'm willing to to change that perspective if he does. I guess, prove it. And I think that's where we should all be thinking. He, he needs to prove it, just like this roster does. But I, w- I wanted to talk about training camp and, and maybe, you know, on the back of what we just talked about with Jim Boylan. And I, I guess the other talking point after Media Day was the fact that injuries continued to re- rear their head, as they typically do with our Chicago Bulls. They were, um, thankfully, the injuries were minor. We talked about Wendell Carter's tailbone issue that he fell and he hurt that a couple of times. But he also had that rolled ankle or sprained ankle. Uh, Gafford hyperextended his elbow. That sounded really bad. Initially, I was suggesting it was very similar to Lowry's, but then all of a sudden, the next day, he's back in training. You, you mentioned before some of the other guys who haven't been part of camp, Chandler Hutchinson, etc. But what have you made about the whole talk around Bulls injuries and medical staff, the training staff, Boylan running a three-hour practice, open to opening the session? What what, do, what is your general takeaway from that? And I guess as an extension to that. Can, it, you know, rolling your ankle or smashing your tailbone on the ground, or you know, hyperextending your elbow—these Are these things that the training staff can realistically manage or prevent—and and do you think at this point the the narrative around, I, I guess the uh, I guess I guess the medical team, the training staff, cetera, Do you think the narrative around that has gone too far?
0: Um, no, I think it's uh, I think it's fair to kind of question you know their methods considering the injury history of the Bulls in recent years, um, it's fair to question their methods. Um, in fact, that's what I, you know, I haven't been out to uh, to the Advocate since Media Day because, you know, I do a daily show, you know, on 670 to score. Um, but this weekend when they, you know, they're, they're off on tomorrow, um, Sunday, they should be uh, back up and going for media availability. And that's something that I do want to ask that, you know, are outside of, you know, having the three hour hard practices and one hour non contact practice change is has there been anything else change wise in terms of the method that you the methods that you guys are doing health wise to help make sure guys stay in one piece um so far, we haven't seen that uh because players are falling off um Wendell Carter should be a worry for for bulls fans um he said in the media day that he didn't have to have the surgery, but, I mean, no doctor is going to willingly ha- cut you open for no reason if you didn't need it, you know, and that should be a, a worry. He had off-season surgery um, on his abdomen, um, and he said he's been dealing with that pain since he was 15. That's something that we didn't know, you know, until he willingly gave that to us, and and that worries me. I mean, starting with that, then with the the rolled ankle and then now with the with the tailbone, um, if that I mean they they keep downplaying you know the injuries. Jim has come out every day since you know saying all oh, these guys are tough, um, they can get through it and stuff like that. But you know as a Bulls fan, it, it's kind of like PTSD. You know when you start hearing you know these injuries of these core players, that means what? That's more or less time not playing with the core, not getting any co- cohesion together. Um, And then that means another delayed year until we see what this team can do. And and they can't wait anymore. They need to see what these guys can do so they can move accordingly. Um, Again, free agency 2021 is going to be huge. Players are going to look at your team like, well, I don't know about your team. They've never played because they always hurt. And why would I trust my body with your team when you can't even keep your core players, you know, up and going? So. Um the injuries are a, a, a big deal at least for me uh for right now. Um so until we get a at least a day, you know, without anybody being listed on the injury list, I would just be very skeptical about how things, you know, go leading up to the regular season.
1: Yeah, I mean the the skepticism is fair and the trepidation is fair. I mean, I'd I'd be lying if I said that when I see these injury reports come through, I'm not devastated. Of it, no matter how minute or large they are. But I, I just wonder, I guess, how much a, a rolled ankle or a bruised tailbone can really be something that could be prevented. I guess, and I, I get why the the anger and narrative around the media medical staff exists, and particularly when they've had some you know crazy involvement with particularly with Loldam. I think I mean that's the first thing that comes to mind that there's been some weird and shady things that have gone in, on in the past. But I just wonder if that crosses over a little bit too far but i mean you you make all good points that injury is going to be something that we need to to factor in and to monitor particularly like i said before where this with this bulls team doesn't have that that margin of error where they can sustain maybe one or two injuries they they need to be pretty healthy all season but let's move on from media day and training camp i want to talk about pre-season because you know the games are here now which is great (laughs) we've actually got some basketball to talk about but before we do that i want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsors Following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Just go to sports.axios.com. Not only will you get caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with all your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, there's no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com Again, try it for free at sports.axios.com Next up, we've got Harry's. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed that much. The ancient Greeks didn't have flex balls or heated handles and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, and a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com forward slash for your free trial today. You may be asking yourself why Harry's? Well, let me tell you. Harry's is a return to the essential. It's got quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. Harry's is just super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door and your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com forward slash blue wire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel with alloy to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Just go to harrys.com forward slash blue eye to start shaving better today. All right, back to the show now. and. Tony, I want to talk about preseason basketball. Thank Christ the basketball is actually back. It is so good to be actually be talking about games. And for those that aren't aware, the Bulls kick off preseason this Monday at the United Center facing the Milwaukee Bucks before Zion Williamson and the New Look Pelicans hit Chicago on Wednesday. And then we close out the opening week of preseason with the Bulls heading out to, to Indiana to face the remodeled Pacers on Friday before playing the Toronto Raptors on Sunday. So, Tony, aside from getting a look at Zion and the new look paces, what should be the biggest takeaway for Bulls fans in the upcoming preseason games? Um, we just kind of went over it health. <laughs> you know, are
0: yeah. is the the people that are gonna be here and gonna be playing major minutes, are they healthy through the preseason? That's number one, numero uno, uh, for when watching this team in preseason. Um also you should look at, you know, um, well, one, they got two new uh, assistant coaches uh, that are going to be key for this team: uh, Chris Fleming uh, from Brooklyn and uh, Denver, um, and uh, Roy Rogers of the Houston Rockets. Um, one, Chris is taking this handling, you know, bringing in a you know a newer offense, um, and Roy Rogers is probably going like the the defensive coordinator um, on the defense to have, make sure uh, these guys are making sure they're getting the points Jim wants to uh, on the defensive end. Um, number one, it's got to be defense. I mean, offense is going to happen. People are going to get buckets. But defense, number one, should be looked at. Is everybody, you know, following their rotation patterns? Um, are they communicating on defense? They had issues with that last year, and that's including, you know, the core guys, Laurie Markkinen and Zach Levine. Um can they hold their own individually as defenders? is something that you know people should look at. Um, a lot of teams are taking Laurie marketing to the post on the regular that cannot happen this year. Um, it cannot be a point of emphasis on when teams play the bulls, Hey, post up Laurie marketing, he can't handle it, and once you get past Laurie, get window card in foul trouble, which that happened a lot last year too. So defensively is gonna be a a a big watch for me in the preseason. Um, and then on the offensive end, you just want to see, have the Bulls updated um, the way they play offense? Last year, people really got angry at Jim Boylan for really k- slowing things down to a halt, starting things inside out when everybody else in the league is playing outside in. Um, have they updated that? Has Chris Fleming's teachings take an effect on this team because we've seen Chris Fleming's offense work. We've seen the pick the way they play pick and roll with, uh, well, when they had D'Angelo Russell in Brooklyn, how successful he was an all-star. We also seen how that offense worked in Denver with uh, Jamal Murray and uh, the Joker uh, out there in Denver. So it, his, all we know his offense works is just, can they execute uh, what the plan is and defensively, can they hold their own? So those are the two things that I've, I'll be watching for.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I think preseason will be the chance to, to put... Well, I mean, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk about pushing pace, playing defense, changing the offense, these sorts of things. Obviously, Chris Fleming, his hiring has been a big talking point as well. But I guess talk is cheap to a degree, but now is the time to really put it into into production, so to speak. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But I think the other thing that I'm looking forward to is... Figuring out or watching Jim Boylan figure out his rotations, and he's already mentioned that he's going to be mixing up his rotations, his starting units, those sorts of things. Which I guess you, you you would come to expect. It's it's preseason. This isn't the time to to really mix things up and try things that maybe you normally wouldn't. But ultimately, as well, the Bulls are obviously auditioning that point guard position, maybe even maybe in the front court position as well. I I mean I'm assuming things aren't won't be changing at shooting guard and small forward with Zach and Otto. being fixed in there but obviously point guard is an open competition but it's been something i've been wondering all off season as well as to what he does at power forward and at center because he has taught all the bulls more generally have openly talked about getting minutes at full market and at center i wonder if they try that as a starting unit combination with Thad young at power forward and maybe carter coming off the bench i hope it doesn't happen but i think we have to maybe account for it but what do you make about his potential rotations even in the starting lineup and and do you think that he will throw that around a bit
0: um that was an excellent point um about you know watching the rotations um because guys need patterns you can't you know be up and down so that was an excellent point by you mark um yeah i i definitely agree with uh what you said that you know one the point guard competition is going to start to you know mold together and solidify um, who's taking that lead. Um, but there's one constant in that point guard position. Um, regardless of who starts or what happens, Kobe White needs to get minutes, significant minutes. Um one reason is because I personally I don't think they're gonna, you know, be in the playoffs. And that means with the flat nods, they have a decent chance of, you know, getting a getting a lottery spot. And next year, there's going to be a lot of game-changing point guards that are going to be you know, coming out next year. So you got to know what you have in Kobe White so we're not in the same position next year trying to figure out, you know, uh, Kobe White didn't play enough. So we don't know. When there's a star point guard there to be had that can actually solidify that position, you want to know if Kobe can be su- uh, sufficient going forward. Um, so that's one thing that I definitely need to see this year. Um, starting point guard position – if I had to guess, um, gun in my head, I, w- I would definitely go Thomas uh, Sadaransky to be the starter for this team, uh, at least for day one. I mean, he's got everything you need right now uh, to be effective at that point guard position. He can play off guard and let Zach. Um, they talk about multiple ball handlers um, in their offense, and that's something that should be fun to see. I mean, we may see Kobe, Thomas, and uh Chris Dunn out there all at once. That'll be interesting to see. Um, the Laurie at center uh, five out there is also going to be interesting because, one, Laurie needs to hold his own defensively, and he plays a lot better when he's rebounding. So playing that five will give him opportunities to go crash the boards, get involved in the game You know when he's at that five because he's right there underneath the rim You know majority of the time. Um, one thing, though, to look for is on those switches, can Lowry stay in front of ball handlers? And that's going to be a, a big thing to watch. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Something that Bulls fans should be watching is Jim Boylan's rotations and how he's using them. Because as these games go along, they're going to get solidified more and more after every game to to a point where, hey, this is how it's going to look like. Um, all things being you know, equal and healthy, this is what it's going to look like during the regular season.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think something else to add to that is it's going to be interesting to see how much and at center we do see because I think an underrated talking point about this Bulls team that maybe hasn't been discussed enough is this roster doesn't really have many power forwards on it at all. And I guess if he plays... A lot of minutes of Thad Young at power forward with Mark and at center, then you don't really have a backup power forward at all. And I guess Otto Porter could play some small ball four, but they don't have. I mean, Chandler Hutchinson's probably missing all of preseason. Unfortunately, that hamstring is a lingering issue. So. I mean, Hoiberg used him a bit at, as a backup power forward. Jim Boylan did on occasions too, but he won't be there. So they don't really have that backup power forward. So I wonder if we do see marketing at center as maybe as much as we're anticipating or whether they have to keep him at power forward because the team just simply doesn't have many options there. But the, the, the rotation, I, th- I think, is going to be the biggest interesting or the biggest the talking point for me at least because i think that's something we're all typically wondering particularly after the additions of this team you mentioned kobe white you know does he play point guard does he play shooting guard chris dunn does he play shooting guard small four sadaransky same thing so it, it's going to be fun to watch but i wanted to talk about dunn and levine and just their the general narrative around them and the fact that i guess it's been a talking point amongst bulls fans as well but the logic has been that chris dunn and levine can't play together they can't coexist together and I understand why that logic exists and 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 there's definitely some merit behind it but now with Sadoransky as part of the team I guess the the prevailing thought is that Chris Dunn will be the backup point guard but uh I I'm just wondering how much minutes he'll play at point guard versus, say, shooting guard or small forward because of the lack of depth that the Bulls have on the wing. On the wing, and I just wonder if this whole idea of Zach Levine and Chris Dunn being split up is as simple as like we make it. We well sometimes make it be because. If Dunn is playing two or is playing three, and Zach is out there playing the similar positions, I think at some point there will be some crossover between the guys, and maybe it won't be as easy as, as it seems of splitting Levine and, and Dunn up. So, what are your thoughts about the the general dynamic of Chris Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, and, and do you think it's it's viable to just split their minutes up entirely?
0: You certainly have a point that their mashup last year, um, it just didn't work. Um, and the, ish, the the biggest issue was when Chris Dunn was heading the offense, he had issues finding the hot hand, staying with that hot hand, um, win the pass, win the shoot. His decision, he doesn't have natural point guard instincts. Um, you saw him out of Providence. He was more of a you know defensive guy and go out and get his buckets. Um, that was his moral style of play. So you're asking him to do something. That's not really, really about his basketball character as it's, you know, to lead an offense. Um, But when Zach took over the lead in terms of him bringing up the ball, him running the offense, Zach isn't that great of a passer. And Chris Dunn isn't that great of a spot-up shooter. So now you have a guy that is not the best at passing um, and working in an offense uh, on a consistent basis, and then you got Chris Dunn, who is not the best spot-up shooter, um, and is not really worthy of, you know, being guarded, you know, when he doesn't have the ball. He hasn't proven it. Um, so there lot. Li- there lies the issue um, of why now you have to split them uh, once the game got going and the game started. Now you got to s- split their minutes. Um, because they they just didn't work out. Like I mentioned uh, earlier in this podcast there were times that Ryan Archie Diakono last season the offense worked and looked a lot better with him on the court than Chris Dunn. There, I mean, you can look at the the box score and see for like a stretch of maybe six or seven games their minutes were identical, Archie Diacono and Dunn, and then Archie Diacono would end games and Chris Dunn would be on the bench. Um, and there's no disrespect to Ryan Diacono but that shouldn't be happening on a on a team that's serious about um, making the playoffs. Um, so getting this point guard depth, adding Thomas Sadoransky, is a, is a huge deal. And you can tell by them drafting Kobe White what they had their eyes on. They need a guy along Zach Levine that can, one, work the offense, but also can play without the ball, that can spot up, shoot, and still provide spacing for Zach to get in those lanes uh, and make plays going downhill. Cause that's what he's best at. You can do that with Chris Dunn because nobody's going to guard Chris Dunn out there. Um, they're going to guard Sadoransky out there though. Um, and if Kobe white, you know, is as good of an outside shooter, you know, as going into uh, as he did in college at North Carolina, they're going to have to guard him off the ball. Um, so yeah, those, those are going to be big things to watch. Um, as the season goes along because last year we saw that that combination of Zach and Chris it just didn't work
1: yeah it didn't work but I think they also didn't have the uh the advantage of playing in functional lineups either they're often playing in bad lineups with bad NBA players that didn't really perform on offense it was the worst offense during the during the um you know a large portion of the season so I get why the, the narrative exists. I buy into it as well. I, I, I subscribe to that logic. Levine and Dunn aren't perfect fits. I get that. But I I think just the, the whole splitting up of Levine and, and Chris Dunn is probably too simplistic. Because if Levine is playing, let's say, 34 minutes a game and you can't play Levine and Dunn together, then that basically means you're only playing Chris Dunn 14 minutes a game. But we know he's going to be, have to be playing other positions because the Bulls have depth issues, which... I guess means there will be some crossover for those guys out there. So I think that's another thing that I'm interested to, to see how it all plays out. We'll learn about that very soon as the Bulls face the Bucks on Monday. But Tony, that's all pretty much all we have time for today, man. I thank you for, for um, taking some time out of your evening to jump on here and talking Bulls with me. I appreciate you doing that, mate. But before I let you get away, maybe you can tell all the listeners where to uh, follow all your work online.
0: Yes, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TonyGill670. Um, I'm a you know, the executive producer of the Lawrence Holmes Show every day, every weekday, uh, noon to 2 p.m. Central. Uh, you can hear my voice there as well. Um, you can also check out my Bulls content um, called uh, No Zones, the No Zones podcast. Um, and I post every week. Uh, we have guests. We play sound from the day, from the games. Um, it's very interesting, like to keep it fun, like to keep it light, but we do um, do what Mark is doing with this podcast and, and discuss, you know, hardcore Bulls basketball, um, just the overall fun time. So that's
1: uh, where you can find me. Perfect, man. I appreciate you coming on. And I don't know if you noticed this, but I was scrolling through your Twitter page today, and I noticed that you were actively following six hundred and seventy people on Twitter, which I don't know if you know about or if that was a Freudian thing or something. But I find I found that kind of amusing, given uh, given your roots with six seventy. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: I, at one point I was
1: following six hundred and sixty six people, and I was like, no, I got to change that. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Well, 670 makes sense. So, uh, But look, look, follow Tony if you're not, which I, I find kind of uh, hard to believe. If you're listening to Bulls HQ and you're not following Tony or not following along with the no zones, obviously go and correct that. But uh, Tony, again, thanks for coming on, mate. No problem, Mark. Anytime. Just let me know and I'll be right there for you when you need me. All right, Bulls fans. So on that note, that pretty much does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to Tony for jumping on. Follow him on Twitter at TonyGill670 if you're not already. But uh, like I said from the top, I'm glad basketball is back. We can actually talk about actual Bulls basketball, which is pleasing for me to to say as a Bulls content creator, but for you as well, the listener, to actually hear some. Some thoughts and to just have the general conversation of actual basketball games. It's a win for everyone. Hopefully, it's a damn good season. I'm, I'm hoping it, it will be. It should be a productive one. But thank you for tuning into this episode of Bulls HQ. Before I get away, just a note to say... If you get a moment, jump on iTunes, give the show a five-star review. If you're liking what you're hearing, that would be greatly appreciated. So if you do have that spare moment, I really do appreciate you doing that. But in the interim, follow me online on Twitter at MK Hoops. Follow the show on Twitter too at BullsHQPod. If you have any feedback, you got any questions, anything you want to send through to me, send them to bullshqpod at gmail.com. Even if you just want to have a long-form conversation about the team offline, I'm happy to do that as well. So send those emails through. But like I said, thank you for tuning into this episode of the show. We'll be back next week, maybe even during the week. I don't know yet, but we'll be talking about all the preseason games that have been going on for the Bulls. So looking forward to doing that. But until next time, Bulls fans, this has been Bulls HQ. Speak very soon you oh.